right, where's the microphone? Nope. All right, what's up, everybody? Sorry about that. I'm going to get the microphone back in front of me. It's nice to be back at the podcast. When I don't do the podcast for one week, it's already been two weeks, and it's like it feels like such a long time, and I love doing these podcasts. So today we're going to talk about, I want to kind of keep this nutrition train rolling a little bit, and I wanted to kind of finish up, which I didn't talk about much at all last or last time I did the podcast. Last podcast, we did basically how to diet successfully without having to track or really micromanage a lot of kind of the objective stuff behind macros or calories and kind of what are the, you know, maybe other protocols that you guys can use to help you a little bit more successful at dieting. And one thing that I probably briefly talked about that I want to get a little bit more into today, which I think is really, really important with dieting and probably one of the biggest misconceptions in general with diet overall is the idea of a diet break, right? And actually the importance of a diet break. And a lot of times people, and I'll just speak for myself on this one, a lot of us, we sometimes just do it without even thinking about it or consciously making that an, like a choice. It just sometimes happens. Um, because when you look at most health and longevity experts and you talk about most people in the diet world and obviously the objective behind weight loss for the majority of us wanting to improve body composition by losing some fat or you know losing some weight overall the one thing that we need to understand is we need to be in a caloric deficit so being in a caloric deficit is going to be one or two things and generally a little bit of both is always the kind of secret to the recipe it's like you can either eat less food right so have less energy coming into the body or drink less whatever or you can move more and exercise more and obviously create a deficit that way. So one thing that I've been talking to with a lot of clients even post-challenge with this and just people in general when you look at nutrition is like being in a deficit is obviously the, the kind of objective goal for this weight loss. But there is a point of diminishing returns when you put yourself into a strong deficit, right? So just briefly cover, you know, when we think about the energy outside of the equation, right? We have the basal metabolic rate, right? Which is the amount of calories your body burns at rest every single day. You can literally be in a coma in a hospital for 24 hours and still burn that fixed amount of calories. Second thing is going to be your non-exercise activity, which is moving around, walking, talking to you guys right now. Anything that requires any type of energy demand from the body is going to be what we classify as non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Um, and for most of us, this should be our second most amount of calories burned. Our third, and these are all in order, is going to be your exercise activity thermogenesis, which is obviously your dedicated workouts to yourself. And then the fourth one is going to be the thermic effect of food. Um, the thermic effect of food is basically that there is a, a toll that food has to pay, and every macronutrient has a different toll price. Protein has a higher percentage of calories burned through digestion, which basically makes it more thermogenic. Um, and having more thermogenesis with that type of food allows you basically to create more of a deficit easier, right? So if I basically have 100 calories of olive oil and I had 100 calories of chicken breast, my body would burn 20 to 30 calories out of that 100 just in digestion for the chicken breast. My body would only burn 3 to 5 calories in the digestion and metabolization of olive oil. So when you look at those four things that obviously create the deficit and you look at how our body actually expends energy, you know, mechanistically, like what are the things that are involved with it? BMR, like we've talked about, is like the only way that we can actually improve this is, you know, not only way, but one of the, the easiest ways to improve it is by increasing your muscle mass. When you have more muscle mass, muscle itself is very, very metabolically active. Fat is too, to a certain extent, like brown fat, beige fat versus white adipose uh, tissue is going to be more mitochondrial dense, which basically has a caloric expenditure to it as well. But for the most part, it's going to be muscle mass that we focus on. 
Second thing, when you look at non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is something that I preach more than anything else probably, is the idea that we need to be moving more and exercising, I don't want to say less, but less emphasis around how much should I be working out and more emphasis around how much daily movement should I get. Throughout this challenge, one thing that popped up for a handful of people was the workouts were good and four workouts a week was not hard, but 45 minutes of outdoor movement daily seven days a week was hard. 45 minutes throughout the entire day, not in a row, 45 minutes. So you can do 15 in the morning, 15 in lunch, 15 in dinner. And that was hard for people. Um, and that's scary for me as a coach to think about that 45 minutes of getting you outside, just moving. It doesn't, it could be walking. It could be playing with the dog and playing with your kids, swinging a golf club, like anything that gets you outside. It's not a lot of time outside. And I think these are fundamental things for health and longevity and nutrition success and making our training more effective. It's just we have to be the more aligned we are with what nature intended for the human body, the easier and more effective and efficient everything else works downstream. The less, you know, the farther away we get away from this line of nature, the more synthetic things we're going to need down the road to obviously optimize health. You're going to rely more on a doctor and more on medication and all these other things. So I'm always come from the mindset and the bias that what nature intended for the most part is probably what we should try to stick to the most. So movement is something that all creatures on human, I mean, on planet Earth are designed to do, right? Like we're designed to move, we're designed to be active, we're designed to be outdoors, we're not designed to be sedentary, we're not built to be inside, surrounded by blue light, never seeing natural sunlight at all, never getting into nature. You know, these are things that are just going to make everything a recipe for disaster. Third one, when you look at exercise activity is obviously like, yes, you need to be doing exercise. I put more of an emphasis on strength training because strength training is the thing that allows us to build muscle, which improves metabolic rate. Um, strength training is the thing that allows us to kind of bulletproof the body and kind of maybe negate some of the effects of like, you know, the bone density and posture and some of those other things later in life that we might deal with. But that being said, I am also a huge component and fan of a proponent of doing aerobic training. Having a healthy cardiovascular system is not only going to make you a better lifter, but it's also going to benefit that side of your body as well. So I think having a blend of aerobic training and anaerobic training and strength training and ideally trying to find minimum of three days a week, but more like four to six. I think the sweet spot for people is four to five days a week of exercise, right? It doesn't always have to be strength training, but four or five days a week of some dedicated, relatively intense exercise. And every other day and every other hour outside of your training should be more focused on movement, recovery, stretching, and just getting your body to move. And the last one, thermic effect of food, like I said, is, you know, focusing a little bit more on protein because it's higher, you know, thermogenic. That's more thermogenesis comes from that. It improves satiety levels. It gives us the amino acid profile that we need and all essential, you know, all nine essential amino acids your body needs from animal proteins. Um, and it's really the thing that as we build lean body mass, it makes it easier to take fat off. And also when you think about this body sculpting idea and the idea that we're shaping the body that way you want it, you know, if you want to work more on growing your glutes or you want a bigger back or you want bigger arms or you want skinnier arms, like these are all things that you can start to train to develop the musculature, not to reduce fat in that certain area, but to reduce the musculature. So. Those are kind of some of like the foundational things that we all need to understand. Now, that being said, the idea of a diet break and why it's so important is because when you guys eat less calories and or you burn more calories than normal and you create a deficit, your body is always going to adapt to the certain energy intake that it's being provided. So just to make something up here, if you were to burn 3000 calories a day and you were to eat 2000 calories a day, your body's obviously going to be at a pretty extreme deficit, right? Let's make something more realistic. Let's say you're eating 2,500 calories and you're burning 2,000. No, 
That's wrong. <laughs> Brain work. Come on. You're eating 2,000 calories and you're burning 2,500. Sorry, I don't know where that brain fart came from. So you're at a 500 calorie deficit. What your body is going to do, it is going to metabolically adapt, right? So basically, if you're only eating 2,000 and you're burning 2,500, it's going to start to slow down the metabolic processes in the body, right? Because your body is trying to be, your body's really designed to survive, not thrive. That's something I said a handful of times. So your body's always trying to adapt to its current environment or current intake, right? So when you go into a deficit or you're going through a diet phase and you do it for a very long time, that metabolism actually starts to slow down. So this is why most people run into a plateau. You know, if you're eating 2,000 calories and you're burning 2,500, that 2,500 is actually going to start to come down. Your BMR will start to slow down. You're plateauing, obviously, in fat loss, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Like, you'll see your body, if you're really, really aware of, like, kind of interoception of, like, how your body functions, your body will have less energy for those things because it's trying to bring it back down to baseline and trying to find that homeostatic kind of area or point that it's at, right? So having periods of diet breaks are actually beneficial, not just mentally, right? Because I think the idea of dieting and being in a deficit year round for a lifetime, it just sounds daunting and it sounds boring, right? Like who wants to live like that? But it's actually, there's plenty of research to back this up that it's beneficial to maybe have some days where you eat more maintenance or even some days once a week or once a month where you eat a pretty good surplus because the more you can add some type of variety, metabolically, your body actually likes it. Because if you were to think about this kind of, you know, I think about a lot of just very primal sense, but thousand years ago, you weren't really having access or even like a hundred years ago before the industrialization of food itself. Like we didn't have as much access to food as we do now, right? Like we have an overconsumption of food and calories because they're processed and they're refined and all that good stuff that comes with the industrialization of food, but also obviously being overly abundant with the access allows us to have more convenience for intake of food. But 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 1000 years ago, whatever example you want to use, we would have periods of not eating, Sometimes hours, sometimes days, sometimes maybe, I don't know, if a week, so I'm just making shit up. I don't know cavemen personally, so I'm not actually sure any of that's even factual. Um, and we would have to hunt for our food. We would have to go hunt and gather. That was pretty much where the hunter-gatherer phase come from, right? And then we would eat a lot of food at once, and we would eat in a surplus. And metabolically, that would kind of rev the body back up, right? That is how genetically the human body is actually set up. So the more deficit you put yourself in, and most people think, okay, well, fuck, I'm in a plateau. So what I should do is I should lower my calories more, or I should up my calorie expenditure even more. And, no, and you're not going to have energy to have really, really effective workouts, but you're trying to do more stuff. Or you're just like, man, I'm already eating like a rabbit. I don't know how much less I can eat. Um, I saw this a lot when I was doing men's physique competitions is a lot of people, they would be like, okay, well, I stopped seeing results. Like the fat loss stopped, the weight loss stopped, so I'm just going to eat a little bit less now. There's eventually a point of you know where you're like, okay, I, I'm just at zero calories now because my body's metabolically just been fucked up. So we used to call this, and this is a term that's, you know, it's not we. It's not like I created this. It's a very popular term. If you guys look up the concept of reverse dieting, reverse dieting is basically helping those people that are kind of maybe metabolically screwed themselves up by eating so much in a deficit and diet so hard for way too long. So one thing that I would encourage you guys and understand that it's actually good for you is eating a deficit, you know, most of the time. Because everything from weight loss, and even for the people that don't have a weight loss goal, if you have a health goal or a longevity goal of living longer, caloric restriction 
There's uh, so many papers that you just go to PubMed and look up caloric restriction and longevity. And look at all the things that basically explain that being in a caloric restriction actually extends lifespan. Now, how you do it through the fancy fasting or being a keto or being whatever kind of approach, they all create the deficit. But really, the... the the benefit is behind being in a caloric restriction. But in order for our body to still be very metabolically active, we want to make sure that we still have a metabolism that's working for us. This is why preservation of muscle mass, this is why keeping strength training, this is why having enough energy in the body coming in can facilitate those things on the other side. So eating and maintenance every once in a while, you know, so if you were to diet really hard for a month, I would suggest going a week and eating and maintenance or maybe eating a little bit of a surplus. Um, something that I did a lot during show prep, even when I was going through a cutting phase is I would have one cheat meal a week, right? And that's obviously a very more kind of intense version. You know, that's something I would not say that's sustainable for everybody, you know, but if you really want to be intense with body composition, yeah, you have to eat cleaner and you have to cook more of your food and you have to be eating a lot more protein and you have to be eating out less. You have to be doing more of the work that we all know what we need to do. Um, but then once a week I would train like a leg day and I would try to line it up with the days where I was burning a little more calories. And I would go eat, you know, three double doubles, uh, some Krispy Kreme donuts, fries, and a milkshake from In-N-Out and Krispy Kreme. And I, I'm not joking. That's usually what I used to do for my cheat meal. And having a little bit more calories because what's doing is I'm deficit, 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 deficit. And basically, I'm doing metabolic suppression, metabolic suppression, metabolic suppression. And then I eat more calories. And I eat a maintenance rate and a surplus one day a week. Um, my body kind of metabolically revs itself back up. And keeping that metabolic system active by having this kind of more cyclical intermittent approach to it is going to be the best thing that you can do for it overall. So when you look at your diet and you look at what's sustainable for you, having that intermittent approach to it and having a little bit more of a cyclical approach to it is one of the key things to creating sustainability behind continually losing weight, continually improving body composition, or maintaining the body composition that you already dreamed of that you might have already, right? And having sustainability behind it is by far the most important thing we can think of. I personally have always preached that we should be very seasonal with our food. Eating seasonal produce allows us to have variety in our fruits and our vegetables. You know, I like having variety in my meats that I eat. I don't only eat steak. I don't only eat chicken. I like to, you know, every day I'm eating something a little bit different because that variety doesn't give us the 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 possibility of getting bored with that diet, right? Because when you feel like you're dieting, it feels like a chore. When you feel like you're eating for nourishment, it's much easier to sustain in the long run, right? And then when it comes to summertime, you know, it's like I'm naturally eating more fruit. I'm even now drinking more fruit juices that I normally wouldn't do in the winter. Um, I'm walking a lot more. I'm moving a lot more. I'm outside a lot more. The sun is going to make me a little bit more metabolically efficient as well. So I naturally eat a lot more calories in the summertime. And then once again, to give you a very primal thought of you, like obviously we used to kind of think about we were hibernating a little bit more in the colder months because we were moving less because of the cold. And that still happens, even though we live now in a heated house or a house with AC and we're, we're not as kind of uh, adapt to the hot and the cold as we used to be or as we should be. You know, that's a whole different podcast that I can do down the road. Um, understand that naturally when it's cold, we do a little bit less, right? Which means that you should have less calories. So it doesn't need to be just a, a week point of view. It doesn't need to be in a month point of view. It can be in a year point of view. Like being cyclical with the approach and having these diet breaks is going to give you the most effective way to diet. And it's also going to give you the most sustainability behind it, right? So when you think about diet breaks, really try to like for you, figure out what's going to be most sustainable, right? Like when you get really, really good at being intuitive with what works for your body, 
you can start to almost organically and subconsciously just do that without even having this very, very tight structure around it. If you're someone that's hasn't really figured out what works well for your body, then having a little bit more of a strict structure or a little bit more of an objective approach behind it is definitely the way to go. Um, so maybe you're saying like, hey, I'm gonna eat all my meals besides two a week, right? So two meals a week I get to eat at a restaurant, right? Or you know what? I naturally like to eat less on Sundays or I like to eat more on Sundays and maybe putting a little bit more of a methodical plan behind what that actually approach is gonna be. Um, or if you're just gonna be really strict in general, understand that I would not go more than four to eight weeks at max, but I would say right around like even how our cycles are set up at Functional Lifestyles, so like every six weeks if you're being really strict with it, like take a week off of... And when I say week off and I say diet breaks, like even the men's physique competition of like Krispy Kreme donuts and In-N-Out, I don't even know necessarily if I would really be preaching that to people as much, but like eat a little bit more in a maintenance, right? So go to your favorite restaurant, but still focus on some of the essential things. I'm not saying like eat zero protein, eat zero vegetables or fruits now, only eat processed refined foods when you're having this cheat meal, this diet break. These could be meals or these could be days or these could be weeks, but adding a little bit more calories back into the body, the concept of reverse dieting, like I was saying earlier, is actually by slowly adding calories back into the, the diet. You do not want to do this fast. Doing an extreme calorie cut overnight is terrible and doing an extreme calorie surplus overnight is terrible. Digestively, energy and everything else that follows it is just not a pleasant way to go about it. So when you're doing these adjustments, there's going to be things that you really want to pay attention to. There's a thing called, um, if you guys ever want to look this up, called G-Flux or Energy Flux. And they did, uh, there was a cool research paper on this. And I think, who was I listening to about this? I was literally just listening to this on the podcast, actually. Um, but whatever, this research came out, this paper came out that basically, if I were to have someone that was eating a 1,500-calorie diet and they were burning 1,500 calories and someone that was eating 5,000 calories and burning 5,000 calories, the person eating 5,000 and burning 5,000 was actually technically burning a lot more because of the energy demand for the amount of food that's coming in. So... Even though we were net the same, we were net equal, the person eating more and burning more was actually more metabolically active, obviously, because they're putting a lot more into the body, but they're also burning a lot more. So we want to have these periods where I go maybe lower calorie and I expend less. Maybe I'm training a little bit less or I'm moving less and those calories come down a little bit with me. Or as the summertime comes up, I like to do a lot more aerobic training. I like to do a little bit more conditioning. I like to move a lot more. So my calories are coming up on the expenditure side. But guess what? I'm eating a lot more food. I'm drinking a lot more fruit juice. I'm eating a little bit more carb-rich things. So I'm adding more calories back on the diet. So I'm always trying to kind of play around and understand that like I'm talking to the camera with my hands here, but these things are cyclical as, as things come up, the diet comes up as training comes down, the diet should come down, right? And trying to be somewhere in this like kind of very homeostatic place that your body naturally always wants to be. And it doesn't need to be 365 days of creating a deficit. It's like, I'm in a deficit most days when I'm losing weight, then I maintain or do a couple days of surplus. Or if I'm someone that wants to gain weight, I do surplus for a while and then maybe maintenance deficit for a couple days a week. You know, for me, it's like, I want to maintain and gain weight actually a little bit. And I still like to do some type of fasting. Like one day a week, maybe do one meal a day or doing a two day fast. Like it's the more variety, it's kind of like training in a sense that you can add back to the body, um, the more adaptation you're going to get. And we want adaptation because unfortunately, adaptation of the same stimulus and the same thing becomes dull, right? So your body is eventually going to metabolically kind of just lessen and suppress itself over time. So that's one big thing for you guys all to understand that diet breaks are actually a key essential piece to a good nutrition plan. And if anybody tells you you should not be having cheat, you know, some people in the industry like to say they don't like the word cheat meal. 
You call it whatever the fuck you want. I don't care how you word it. It could be a cheat meal. It could be a diet break, whatever you want to word it. But having those days where you have a little bit more maintenance or having a day where you have a little bit more of a surplus and having a little bit more variety, understanding that whatever the objective goal is, 70 to 80 to 90 percent of the time you should be doing the work that's needed for that but the other 10 20 and 30 percent of the time having that flexibility in and understanding that like when i train more i eat more when i train less i eat less and just like trying to stay in flux for where you're at with your life right all right guys well as always i hope you guys enjoy this one i'll see you next week um i don't know if i'm gonna talk about nutrition because i've been talking about nutrition for four weeks so we'll see what i write up for you guys and we'll go from there have a great weekend see ya